we're getting close to the end of the season. So with these last two episodes, we're going to be looking at Leonardo da Vinci. Now, many people see him as one of a kind. And I'm going to push back on that a little. Now, finish this phrase for me. Leonardo da Vinci was a painter, a sculptor, an inventor. You could have said a number of things, but none of them would sum up the man's career in total. How to describe da Vinci in a single phrase? And once we find that out, could the same be said about you? To answer that question, we're going to have to travel back to the time of da Vinci and go forward to the time of Game Boy. So let's find out. I'm Sam Logan, and you're listening to the podcast, The Story Is, the podcast where we talk about the past, the present, and the personal. On this episode, we're going to be talking about Leonardo da Vinci, the man. We'll dive past the myths, the movies, the mirages, and get a look at who he really was and why he was that way. Da Vinci is one of a kind figure, but he doesn't have to be. We will finish by seeing how you could be like one of the great figures in history. You may have some things in common with him already. Have you painted the Mona Lisa? Okay, how about being a student of the human body? Or the universe? Biographer Walter Isaacson said, The Mona Lisa's smile is the culmination of a lifetime spent studying art, science, optics, and every other possible field that he could apply his curiosity to, including understanding the universe and how we fit into it. How about, do you care about details? Leonardo spent many pages in his notebook dissecting the human face to figure out every muscle and nerve that touched the lips. On one of those pages, you see a faint sketch at the top of the beginning of the smile of Mona Lisa. Leonardo started working on the Mona Lisa in 1503, and he kept working on it until his deathbed in 1519, trying to get every aspect exactly right. During that period, he dissected the human eye on cadavers and was able to understand the center of the retina detail. During that period, he dissected the human eye on cadavers and was able to understand that the center of the retina sees detail, but the edges see shadows and shapes better. If you look directly at the Mona Lisa, it's been observed. Her smile, the corners of the lips turn downward slightly, but shadows and light make it seem like it's turning upwards. As you move your eyes across her face, the smile flickers on and off. Raise your hand if you're left-handed. Now, I can't see it, but you don't write backwards. There's a legend about Leonardo that he wrote backwards to keep his ideas secret, and his notebooks weren't decoded until after his death. It's been observed that the major part of da Vinci's surviving work is in the form of his notebooks, filled with theoretical and scientific writings, notes, and drawings. His strange habit of writing backwards in his notebooks has been used to create the image of da Vinci as mysterious. But what's more likely? 
Leonardo wrote this way simply because he was left-handed. Da Vinci probably found it easier to write across the page from right to left and in reverse. Another mystery about Leonardo is his possible homosexuality. There is no way of knowing Leonardo's sexual orientation for sure. But here's what we do know. He isn't known to have any romantic relationships with any women. He also never married. And in 1476, was accused, but later cleared, on charges of sodomy, which at the time was a capital crime in Florence. Scholars' opinions on the issue fall along a spectrum between maybe and very probably. Biographer Walter Isaacson is quite sure da Vinci was gay. Isaacson says he was gay, illegitimate, left-handed, and a bit of a heretic. But the good thing about Florence was that it was a very tolerant city in the 1470s. Leonardo would go around wearing short purple and pink outfits that were somewhat surprising to the people of Florence. And he was very popular. He had an enormous number of friends both from Florence and Milan. He records many dinners with close friends who were a diverse group. Mathematicians, architects, playwrights, engineers, and poets. That diversity helped shape him, according to Isaacson. He also says, he was a very good-looking guy. If you look at the Vitruvian man, the guy standing nude in the circle and square, that's largely a self-portrait of Leonardo himself with his flowing curls and well-proportioned body. Okay, how about this? Do you like meat? Some say Leonardo was a vegetarian. However, vegetarianism would have been pretty unthinkable in the Renaissance time. It's been observed that people probably ate about as much meat as they could afford in da Vinci's time. The most commonly cited quote used to make this claim is taken from a novel, The Romance of Leonardo, and often misattributed to Leonardo himself. None of Leonardo's own writings or early biographies mentions any unconventional eating habits. There's really only one documentary source that might be relevant, a letter written by a possible acquaintance of the artist who compares Leonardo to people in India who don't eat meat or allow others to harm living things. Not a very strong case. But, okay. Whether or not you're vegan, how about this? Do you like building robots? A reliable historical record points out that Leonardo at one time made a lion for the King of France's triumphal entry into Milan in 1509. One observer's description reads, When the king entered Milan, besides the other entertainments, Leonardo da Vinci, the famous painter and our Florentine, devised the following intervention. He represented a lion above the gate, which lying down got onto its feet when the king came in, and with its paw opened up its chest and pulled out blue balls full of gold lilies, which he threw and strewed around the ground. Afterwards, he pulled out his heart, and pressing it, more gold lilies carry him out. Stopping beside the spectacle, the king liked it and took much pleasure in it. Amazing. He actually made a robot. He was mainly, despite what he sometimes wished, a painter. He liked to think of himself as an engineer and an architect, which he also did with great passion. But his first job was as a theatrical producer. It has been observed that from theater, 
Da Vinci learned how to do tricks with perspective because the stage in a theater recedes faster and looks deeper than it is. Even a table on stage would be tilted slightly so you can see it, which is also what we see in The Last Supper. Likewise on the stage, the theatrical gestures of the characters would be exaggerated, which is what you see in The Last Supper. His theatrical production led him to mechanical props like flying machines and a helicopter screw, which were designed to bring angels down from the rafters in some of the performances. Leonardo then blurred the line between fantasy and reality when he went on to try real flying machines that were engineering marvels. So what he picked up in the theater he brought to art and real life with his engineering. Leonardo was also a skilled musician and he was commissioned by some of the musically prominent courts of his time. It's been said that his musical inventions opened an unexpected window into new ideas and instruments that, if they were produced, would have certainly elevated the Renaissance musical scene. Science, engineering, music. So what does that make Leonardo da Vinci? It makes him a generalist. The myth I'll be exposing today has nothing to do with codes or holy grails. What da Vinci disproves is the myth of the specialist. Specialization, the idea, I just need to learn this one thing. This one thing and I'll be set. The only thing that mindset guarantees is that you won't be special. You will stay in your lane, learn nothing new, and meet no one new. Be nothing new. The college system has, in my opinion, screwed up this mindset. Your first year, declare your major. What will you be? I have no idea. No, choose, choose. Here's author Adam Grant on a study about specialization. He writes, students who have to specialize earlier in their education, picking a pre-med or law track while still in high school, have higher earnings than their general peers at first according to one economist's research in several countries. But the later specializing peers soon caught up. In sowing their wild intellectual oats, they got a better idea of what they could do and what they wanted to do. The early specializers, meanwhile, often quit their career tracks. What point is he making? Adam Grant says professional breadth paid off. From the creation of a comic book, a creator's years of experience did not predict performance, but the number of different genres the creator had worked in did to technological innovation. The most successful inventors were those who worked in a large number of the federal patent and trademark offices, different technological classifications. A study of scientists found that those who were nationally recognized were more likely to have avocations playing music, woodworking, writing, than typical scientists, that Nobel laureates were more likely still. Adam Grant's favorite example of a generalist inventor is Gonpei Yokoi, who designed the Game Boy. Yokoi didn't do as well on electronic exams as his friends, so he joined Nintendo as a machine maintenance worker when it was still a playing card company before going on to lead the creation of toy and game operation. His philosophy, lateral thinking with withered technology, was predicated 
on dabbling in many different types of older, well-understood, or withered, technology, and combining them in new ways, hence the Game Boy's thoroughly dated tech specs. Da Vinci saw himself as an engineer, yet he did more than architecture. Da Vinci, I imagine, never said, when will I ever need to know that, or that's not my job. He not only attempted beyond his main interest, he left his thumbprint in the work. Leonardo never signed his paintings, which was sometimes caused confusion. La Bella Principessia is a chalk drawing that turned up at an auction a few decades ago. It was never thought to be a Leonardo, and sold very cheaply because they thought it was a German copy of a Florentine artist. But one art collector was convinced that it was an authentic Leonardo. He bought it and took it around the world to experts to determine whether it truly was a Leonardo. It was pretty much confirmed when they found fingerprints because Leonardo often smudged his work with his thumb. You can be a Leonardo da Vinci. Be a generalist. You want to paint? Do all kinds of painting. You want to be an artist? Do all kinds of art. You want to be an accountant? Make yourself familiar with all kinds of accounting. The best actors are the ones who are familiar with more than just acting technique. They understand you have to do more than just read scripts. Real life experience informs how you do your work and reflect reality on stage. Go beyond your specialty. Try new things. Never stop learning. Genuinely invest yourself in the things beyond your domain. Allow the general to help you excel at speciality and leave some fingerprints in your life. My sources for this episode were the New York Times article, You Don't Want a Child Prodigy by Adam Grant, the Institute of Italy Culture, Washington.esteri.it, What Made Leonardo da Vinci a Genius by Simon Worall, National Geographic, independent.uk.com, Leonardo da Vinci Myths Explained by Candace Rawlings. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. You're probably wondering, with the last episode approaching of the season, what's the finale going to be? Well, I'll tell you. We're going to be looking at Leonardo da Vinci's Last Supper, what story is actually behind it, and we're also going to answer a question I promised I would answer in the trailer to this season. If we didn't know the story behind a painting or a piece of art, would it still have an impact? Does it matter? Or can art stand alone? That's next time. Until then, I'm Sam Logan, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it.